Why don't you like this? I'm dead. And I'm a goblin. And this is our podcast. Normally I'd open with some spiel about how we first met three years ago and we thought we were united by our love of bad books and picture books and Scooby-Doo and Lady Gargoyle's Joanne and Rainbow. But this isn't one of those episodes. This episode, as you may have noticed, is released on Halloween, the spookiest of all days. Crazy how spookers do that. So we thought we'd look at a couple of horror movies. Chosen two good movies, two bad movies, one of which is probably one of the worst movies we've ever seen. Um, and we're going to talk about them, talk about what makes them good, what makes them bad, what makes a movie good and bad, why we love horror movies so much. Let's get into it. So it's fair to say that we watch a lot of movies together. It's really the main thing we do. I'd say we mostly watch horror slash thriller movies. I mean, it's not all we watch. Last night we watched Ingrid Goes West, which I quite enjoyed. Um, a few nights ago we watched Detroit, which you really liked. But the majority of our viewing is horror movies. And the majority of our horror movie viewing is low-budget, low-tier, depths-of-Netflix horror movies. Yeah, the ones where you go into CEX and they're in like, the 50p section. And you're like... What the hell is Paranormal Entity 3? And why are there three of them? So, reading off the um, DVD shelf to my neck, so I can see Paranormal Entity 3. Plan- is- Planet of the Sharks. Paranormal Entity 3. Halloween Night. The, the Wrong House. Devil's Knot. The Terrible 2. Pulse. Krampus. The Christmas Demon. Straight from Hell. Yeah, Straight from Hell. Got quite a lot of knockoffs of proper ones as well paranormal entity we've got a lot of them yeah so we love horror movies why do we love horror movies so much why do we spend so much time watching them even the bad ones for me i like being scared but some of the bad ones aren't scary no and also i don't like being scared that much because whenever we watch a horror movie me and seb have to swap sides of the sofa because i get too scared being at the one nearest to the hallway. And if I start falling asleep, I get a punch in the ribs. Seb, wake up! As this happened especially during when we watched Blair Witch Project. Do you remember when we watched the Blair Witch Project in um, Brighton? Um, yeah, was that your first time watching Blair Witch? Yeah, and I remember you fell asleep and I woke up in the middle of the night and it was still doing the title sequence. And I was like, Seb, quickly, turn it off! Oh, yeah. So I don't know what it is that I love about horror movies... Because I'm not easily scared. I don't really find them scary. But I think if a movie can do what it sets out to do well, then it's always a good time. I think I enjoy watching the Saw movies because the reason anyone watches them is the gratuitous gore and like ridiculous pseudo-like narratives that say, oh, well, John Kramer's the good guy. Whereas I, I find the Saw films really hard to watch. Do you think? Yeah, it's not even the fact that the, the gore's really bad. It's the fact that I can imagine a situation where that actually does happen. Yeah. I think those are the ones that are the worst for me, where I can see it actually happening. Um, that used, I used to be the same when I was young. I think, um, how old was I when I watched the first Saw movie? I think I watched the first two at age like 14, 15. I watched them on the computer. And then for a while afterwards, I would like think, as I was falling asleep, I'd think, oh my God, what if one of those people in the pig masks comes and whacks me and I wake up in a trap? Whereas I remember when I was quite young, my stepdad used to let us watch horror films. I remember when I was about eight, maybe, I watched Dog Soldiers and I was literally horrified. I could not sleep. There's a scene where they're in the vat 
in a van and there's a, obviously a werewolf in there and you just see blood everywhere and I'm pretty sure a head rolls out. But I remember watching all these really horrible films, but the one that I the one that I wasn't able to watch, like there was there was two kind of sets of films that they would not let me watch, and that was the Saw franchise and Human Centipede. Those were just completely off limits. I could watch literally anything else. So did you watch Saw for the first time with me? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I've probably seen parts of it. Yeah. Just from watching it on the internet. But I'm pretty sure I couldn't sit through it. Human Centipede was another one where I remember, I think I was probably 15 when it came out and everyone was talking about it. So I thought, oh, okay, I've got to watch it. And then I would be terrified of the idea that the German doctor would come in and jab me with a needle. He I'd was really up. creepy. Yeah, he was the scariest aspect of it, was just how unhinged he was. Whereas you watch the human centipedes now and they're like a bit goofy. I don't know, I think the second one is like... That one's really creepy, so actually. so dark, it's like the darkest yeah. movie I've ever seen, more so than Eraserhead. Not, ev- not even what he's do- what the guy's doing. Just the tone of the movie. It's also how, how badly wronged he is. Yeah, he's just so bleak. It's like nothing in his life that's worth anything. Um, but I think what I enjoy about horror movies, particularly together, because I never watch horror movies by myself, I think there's a shared experience with a horror movie. I think if it's scary, like, that's an experience you're going through together, and it's not often you get to be scared together, but you get to go through these feelings and, like, oh, and you're jumping together. I... And the really bad ones, I think there's a shared experience of enjoying how badly made it is. I think also the thing of having, like, a shared experience of something being, like, really horrible or, like, scary, is why I reckon a lot of people go to theme parks with their friends. Because, like, a lot of the rides are so scary that, like, you don't want to go on alone, but if someone else is there, you'll probably go on it. Um, So before we, like, dive into talking about the four movies that we've chosen... Uh, what are just a couple of examples of horror movies that you really enjoy? Um, as a kind of rule, I do like the Bloomhouse ones usually. Yeah, they usually they can be a bit hit or miss, but they've usually got a pretty good standard. Yeah, like Conjuring. Although some of them more recent ones have been a bit goofy. As a rule, they're pretty good. Sinister was pretty good. Um. Both of Jordan Peele's movies were yeah. Blumhouse Jordan as well. Peele's ones were good. I think Get Out is on a different level to any other horror movie. Really. I think it's James Wan, isn't it? The ones that we quite like. Yeah. Did he? He was involved with Saw as well, wasn't he? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um. What about the Paranormal Activity franchise? Do you enjoy those? Yeah, I even the ones where they're so stupid, like Paranormal Activity Six. Yeah. Or whatever. I still enjoy them. I think you'd be hard pressed to say that anything beyond the first two are good movies. No, but, but they, you know what they're you're like fun. With them. Yeah, and like yeah, I feel like with ghost films, it's very hard because like I, I believe in ghosts. I'm not like saying that there's not ghosts. Whereas I don't think you'd say there's ghosts. Yeah, for the record, I'd say I 100% don't believe in ghosts. It's not like I majorly believe in them. It's that. I feel like if something's telling me that there is ones, for even for the brief moment of the movie, I will believe that they are real. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty easily swayed for stuff like that. What are the four movies we're going to be talking about? Okay, so in the kind of sequence that we watched them, we watched Jigsaw, American Poltergeist, 
clown and then the Gansfield experiment saving the best of the worst for last. So let's just jump in and start talking about Jigsaw. This was on the body. The truth will set you free. So going in, what we were looking for in the four horror movies we're going to talk about. Too good, too bad. I mean, wanted them to be ones we'd seen before already. You the one that suggested Jigsaw when you saw it on Netflix. Yeah, because I think... So for us, two years ago on Halloween, we were living in Brighton and we had pre-booked tickets to watch Jigsaw on Halloween. We were meant to get a free poster, but I think we turned up late and didn't get it in the end. Yeah, I think I was... Was I working or something? No, I wasn't. Yeah, maybe Maybe actually. the bus was delayed. But, like, it was one of those films where we wanted to see it to the point where we pre-booked, like, a yeah. couple of weeks before. And, like, we didn't usually go out in the evenings in Brighton. Yeah. But we went out, you know, it was a occasion for us. Yeah. And I remember we watched it and we were both like, yeah, that's actually all right. Oh, by the way, are you doing spoilers in this episode? Yeah, we're doing spoilers. Okay, spoiler warning. If you don't want Jigsaw ruined for you, then turn off now. Um, the first time I watched it, I was really confused. It didn't click for me that that this wasn't that they weren't investigating the game that we were seeing like despite it being explained in the movie it just didn't click for me but this time it kind of made more sense yeah i think you notice when she says uh this horror contraption was apparently in a game way before any of the others which still doesn't really make sense if the main guy was an apprentice to Jigsaw after being in one of his games. Yeah. Also, that's like the worst one I've ever seen. It's stupid. It's just a spinning thing with... What has it got? What has it got? Why does he get... He gets, like, sliced. Yeah, because it's just spinning red blades. Oh, I didn't realise they were actual blades. But, I don't know, it's just... I think what makes a good saw trap... So it has to be simple, it has to make sense. But it's it's actually, most of them are really clever. Yeah, like the reverse bear trap. It's the one like where he's got it on the, the head. The most iconic one, yeah, where if they don't do it in time, it'll rip their head open. Yeah, that's pretty savage. Uh, the one that's always stayed with me, I think it might have been from the first one even. Like, it wasn't like part of the main storyline, but like, you know, when they showed other things that Jigsaw has done. Yeah. It was one where someone wakes up in a room and they're surrounded with like, loads and loads of barbed wire and they have to get through all the barbed wires to get to the door in 10 minutes otherwise they're going to be locked in there forever i remember watching one and i don't know if it was saw or something else where it was a person in a room with loads of syringes yeah and they had to get over all the syringes or something that sounds was that one of them yeah because i remember mentioning this to mum i must have seen this when i was like you know 15 16 yeah like, I remember seeing this thing, and Mum was like, don't ever watch the Saw films. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry, I don't know where I've seen it. <laughs> Is the storyline of Saw good? I don't know. I think the problem with the Saw films, which I have, is, yeah, I get John Kramer's being wronged and he wants to live life, but that's a really shit motive to just kill a bunch of people. Yeah, it's weird how the movie's almost, like, always at the brink of saying... John Kramer's the good guy. He's just misunderstood. 
But right. then I guess that's in a lot of horror films where there's a main guy like Jason or Texas Chainsaw Mask- Massacre. We watched that film and do you remember he, his family had been really cruel to him? Yeah, but I think... I don't know. I, I think the way they try and moralise um, John Kramer Green. is it's a bit ridiculous. That's the problem I have with it. And it's got like a really weird cult following for him. Like people love him. Yeah, within the context of the movie. But he's just really... It's not even that it's bad. It's just he's really annoying. Like, I get that you're dying and you want to live life, but it doesn't mean you need to kill every prostitute you see on the street. Yeah, or... an eye for an eye only makes the world blind. But it's not even an eye for an eye. They haven't done anything to him. Yeah, one of them just... It's like, like, not like they've killed all his family. Yeah, like the guy who sold him the bad motorbike. He didn't know he was definitely going to die. And it's like, could I be... Could John Kramer come after me because I sold a faulty... Henry Hoover one time at a car boot for 35 quid. Like, oh, fuck, that Henry Hoover that was broken, it blew up in someone's face and they died. Oh, shit, they're going to come after me. Do you know what I mean? Molly, because of your criminal negligence in selling this faulty Henry Hoover, now you must face being hoovered in the face. <laughs> it's just ridiculous, though. Yeah, I think the overarching storyline is very convoluted. I felt like... This Jigsaw movie, though, in general, was pretty enjoyable because of the fact that John Kramer wasn't really in it. Was the implication that the game we were watching, was that the very first Saw game? Yeah. Okay. So that was the first Saw game, and because they didn't find the bodies, this guy was recreating it. So do you like the Saw movies? I think the Saw movies, the main problem is they're so old. Yeah. Like, the acting is so bad in the first one where they're in the bathroom. I don't know. I think that comes the closest to being what you could consider a classic horror movie. I don't know. There's something about it that really just bugs me. Yeah. And I think I said to Seb when we were doing this, I said, you know, we've got to do a Saw movie because otherwise the horror movies that we actually like, they're all very intelligent level horror movies like, you know, Us, Get Out, you know, they're intelligent horror movies. Yeah. Whereas I feel like you've got to have one that's a bit, you know, a bit tacky. It's dumb fun. Yeah. But it is a lot of fun. It's a good film, like... If you watch that with a group of friends, it's the perfect film for if you're having a movie yeah. night with friends. Pete, I remember an accusation levelled against the Saw movies a lot back in the day was that they were just torture porn. And they are. Pretty yeah, much. I don't know if they're porn, Well, in the, in the way that people say food porn. Where it's not actually porn. Yeah, it's not it's pornographic, just... but you're just watching it for the fun of seeing people getting tortured in ridiculous ways. Yeah, but then that's, like, every gory horror movie, really. I guess. Like, uh, I think it was in The Mentalist or Criminal Minds where they had a serial killer who was similar to Jigsaw. And I don't think anyone would say that's torture porn. I haven't seen The Mentalist. I don't know which one it was. I'm pretty sure it might have been Criminal Minds. For anyone out there, Criminal Minds was, no joke, the best detective series ever I've never been and a then fan we've got things well, then we've got the mentalist and then we've got monk monk was really good as well but i think it was only so good because the guy is just so he looks so funny do you know what i mean 
something yeah, about him. I've never, I never watched Monk either. You probably know the guy though. Not off the top of my head. Yeah, he's strange. Um, so we're on the rating of very good to good to so bad it's good to bad to unwatchable. Do you think Jigsaw lands? I reckon good. Yeah, not even a so bad it's good. No, because I don't think it was bad. Like the acting was good. The traps were pretty good, for the most part, pretty good. Yeah. It looks, it's a good horror movie, it's not film, it doesn't look cheap. Yeah, it looks expensive. Um, I'd say the only point, the bad point for me was when they were trying to bring it back to Kramer at the end. I think even watching it for a second time, if you just came into watching this and you wanted a Saw film... It's quite convoluted at that point. Like, yeah. it makes it... You, you have to go back to thinking, oh, shit, when they said this trap was used before all the others, now it makes sense. Yeah, I feel like you can't just drop into this song without having seen other Saw movies. Not even that. You need to be switched on to notice that. Yeah. And I feel like if you're with friends, you want something that's so easy watching that you don't even have to think. I think sort of the mid-Saw films, Saw 3, Saw 4 where it's just traps and, like, a vague storyline, but the storyline doesn't really matter. I think that's, if you want some pure, sore fun, that's where you need to go to. Yeah, I think when you bring in quite a complicated storyline, but try and squeeze it into, like, five-minute slot, it doesn't... It feels really jig-jaggy, like, it doesn't work smoothly, and I thought this time, watching it... I'd be like, oh yeah, that's thing. And I kind of was like, oh, that makes sense. But then I was still like, yeah, but there's still some plot falls there. Yeah. Like, What was the best trap in Jigsaw? Um, I think... I'd say the syringes might have been the best trap. Do you think? But it was hard because there wasn't that many good traps. I don't really get the logistics of the syringes. How is it going to know if they've injected it and stopped them from hanging? So, I guess they must have security cameras watching. Yeah, I guess. For the fact that they know who's dying. I guess I always think of them as being sort of self running and that Kramer hasn't got to be hanging about. I think that, but I guess if if it's the first one, I suppose. He's And he came in. When you see it backwards, he came in to save that other guy. Yeah, no, that's true. Do you remember? That's true. Um, I'm torn between either the leg one or the silo. Oh yeah, I, guess I completely forgot. I completely forgot about those. I was literally just thinking the bike, the needle slash hanging, and the the backward the, gun. Not even the backward gun. I didn't even. I didn't even twig with that. I thought the one at the beginning as well. Oh yeah. But actually, I think the silo might have been the best one. Although, once they're in there, it's not on them to be able to save themselves. Which kind of seems a bit antithetical to what Jigsaw's about. The one thing that did annoy me also at the silo is... I'm not being funny. You know it's fucking Jigsaw. Why the hell would you, one of you, go in and one of you not stay by the door? Yeah. And, like, get one of those long hook well, things. Well, I guess at that point they don't know what Jigsaw but they, about. But they had, a, they had a rake. Yeah, that's true. Like, get the fucking rake up there, have someone hold the door, and then... Stand... Yeah, what if they'd stood outside of the door and pressed play? Then it would no, have started... No, it was... Oh, it was no, the, the door uh, closed, didn't it? It was the, uh, it was the wire that triggered the um, thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so, what'd you give Jigsaw out of ten? I'll give it a strong six. 
that based on goodness or funness? Funness. I think it's hard to look at go into a jigsaw with the same kind of critique that we go into other films with. Yeah, I think if I'm it's a whole new, it's a whole different genre. I think okay, my for this episode, I'm going to rate things on how good they are versus how fun they are, and then sort of average out. Yeah. So jigsaw, I would say fun. It's like a seven out of ten. Yeah. It's not the best saw movie, but it's still a good time. In terms of actual goodness, I'd say it's like a five. Yeah, I reckon so, like a six. Yeah, that averages out about like a solid six. I would six. say like a solid six. I think it's hard with Saw because it's so different to everything else. Yeah. Like, it, although it's not majorly different, it's groundbreaking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like someone saying the first Blair Witch Project is the same as other horror movies and par- the first Paranormal Activity movie. No, they they need to be rated for what they are. Yeah. Whereas you can't rate them in the same kind of... Yeah, you can't rate them amongst other people that copied them. Yeah. Because pretty much everything copies Saw. Even kind of the Hostel copies Saw. Yeah. Like a little bit. That kind of torture. Bit, yeah. Like, everything copies Paranormal Activity. Everything tries to copy Blair Witch Project. Like, they're free films where... It's the same with, like, the first Halloween movie, you know... Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street. Even, like, Psycho. Yeah. Like, all of those, they're pivotal points in horror and you can't compare them with the shitty remakes or shitty reboots and, like, everything that comes... Like, you can't compare that to Truth or Dare. Yeah. There's just no comparison. What's the next movie? The next movie, which is on our bad scale, is American Poltergeist. Yeah, she's like one of those horror movie chicks that get murdered, like in those Chainsaw Massacre movies. So I think the thing that I like most about American Poltergeist is the timeline of American Poltergeist movies that have come out. So we watched American Poltergeist 1 for this, which came out in 2015. Um, the Poltergeist of Borley Forest, for some reason, marketed as being American Poltergeist 2, despite coming out in 2013. And it was in German or something. The title before that was in German. Yeah. American Poltergeist 3 also came out in 2015. But from the little picture I can see on IMDb... It clearly looks like that wasn't the original title for it. American Poltergeist 4 came out in 2016 and was actually called Joker's Wild. They've renamed it American Poltergeist 4, The Curse of the Joker. <laughs> um, then you got A Haunting at the Rectory, which came out in 2015. American Poltergeist 5, The Borley Haunting. So I guess maybe that one's related to American Poltergeist 2? Um then you've got The Haunting of Alice D, which came out in 2014, which is apparently American Poltergeist 6. <laughs> Haunted, which came out in 2017. Um, American Poltergeist 7, which, by the way, is the highest rated of all of them on IMDb at a 4.6. Um, then just American Poltergeist, the 2016 movie. And then The Curse of Lilith Ratchet, which apparently came out last year and still says new coming soon as American Poltergeist 9. I think it's also worth noting that we looked at Arthur on Amazon and decided to buy a box set of American Poltergeist 1 to 5, and the artwork on that is the cover of American Poltergeist 6. So, our main point is, who the hell designed American Poltergeist? What the hell is going on? 
why do all the Amer American poltergeist pretty much two till two till seven come out before the first American poltergeist? And they're not prequels or anything. They're all unrelated. Yeah, we've watched American poltergeist two. It's in no way related to American poltergeist one. And, and how could it be? Because it came out before it. It came out before, and I'm pretty sure it had a German title. And this was the thing that confused me the most. I'm pretty sure it had a German title, but it was an English film. It was called Bawley Forest, which at no point in the first film do they even hint that there's going to be a second one. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. There's no logic to any anything American Poltergeist related. And even the even the first film, it's like, what the fuck is going on? So I think what makes the first film so bad and worth that 2.1 rating on IMDb is it's incoherent and badly made and badly performed. But it's not even... It's hard, though, because it clearly is... It looks like a student film. Yeah, they clearly didn't have a big budget for it. And, like, the acting is just about as good as you would expect from a student film, like... Not amazing, but there's something about it which keeps on bringing me back. And like, I remember we both worked at the cinema when we watched this, and we watched a lot of films. When we used to work at the cinema, we watched, we were constantly watching films. Yeah. And this was the one really bad horror film that I remember telling everyone about, being like, how the hell is a sequel? Before the film, unrelated, and also got a German name. And this was before we knew to the extent of the sequels. Yeah, this was way before the sequels came out. Well, maybe not even. I think some of them would have been out already at this point. But they, were, weren't, aware they of it. weren't on the IMDb page. Like, this IMDb page, the extent of these American Poltergeist films definitely weren't connected when we watched these first two. Yeah, they haven't when, started arbitrarily deciding that they were sequels. It's kind of like the worst of all the horror horror that Americans can make. They've, like, grouped them into, like, one franchise so it doesn't make everything else look bad. So they can kind of just be like, oh, it's just the American Poltergeist franchise that are the worst horror movies in the whole of history. Um, so do you want to give, like, a quick rundown of the plot of American Poltergeist? Okay. So the plot of the American Poltergeist, which is really far-fetched because most people know what the Lizzie Borden house looks like, and it is definitely not that house. Wait, is Lizzie Borden house a real thing? Yeah. Okay. Like, you can stay in the Lizzie Borden house and stuff. I didn't like, realise that. It's a landmark in America. Right. So pretty much, it starts off, there's a group of college kids, they're looking to move off campus because it'll be cheaper than living on campus. And for some reason, rather than them having to email people and be like, seeing your ad on Craigslist, is your property still available? A woman emails them with no connection for them looking for a place. We don't know this at the beginning though, do we? Yeah. Or maybe. When they say, how did you get the house? Oh, and they yeah. go, oh, just a random woman emailed one of the girls. And it's like... You'd assume it was just junk mail. Yeah, if someone's like, oh, you want to live in my house for three twenty five a month plus all utilities, you'd be like, what? That sounds equivalent to sexy Asian women living in Campbell and looking for older men. Yeah, like, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And then, so they move into this house with this weird woman, and she's like, I'm not even joking, the weirdest person I've ever it's seen. It's weird that they couldn't find a better house than 
sharing it with a, a middle-aged woman. Yeah, so they've got a massive mansion of a house and she's the only one that lives in this house and she's got fucking dolls everywhere and they ask her, have you got any kids? And she's like, no, no children. Like, surely that is a fucking thing. She's got a fucking whole room with, like, a proper kid set up with fucking dolls. You'd be like, yeah, no, this is fucking weird. Yeah. So, like, that's it. And then paranormal shit starts happening in the house. We find out that she's the stepmother of one of the people or something. Yeah, so her husband was part of the Lizzie Borden family. They had a kid. And then the kid was adopted or something. Oh, it's just something really fucking weird. Also, why would you seek out the child of your dead husband when you've never met this child before. Yeah, it's it's really fucking weird. It doesn't make any sense. And it just makes sense that they're in the same fucking place at the same time. And then she's the kid of Lizzie Borden or something. She's like a grandchild of Lizzie Borden. And they're trying to get to her to possess her so she can be like Lizzie Borden or something. Oh, it just makes no sense. It's just ridiculous. I think... Um... The middle-aged woman gave the worst performance of the lot. Yeah, the middle-aged woman. She wasn't even creepy. She was just fucking odd. Stiff. Stiff and, like, really weird. Like, I'm not being funny. They were having a barbecue. And, like, the woman comes and has fucking food with them. And you think, what the hell? Also, something that I can't stop thinking about. She said that the hot tub was 15 feet at its deepest end. That's not yeah, how a the, hot tub works. She said the jacuzzi was 15 feet. That's not how that works. You don't have jacuzzis that are five metres deep. But just imagine. Imagine fucking <laughs> dropping something at the bottom of the fucking jacuzzi. You wouldn't ever be able to get it because it'd be so fucking deep. That's deeper than like most... Swimming pools. Commercial swimming pools. 15 feet deep. That is fucking ridiculous. Do you think she meant to say five feet? I don't know, but 15 feet deep. Imagine how much fucking water is in that jacuzzi. Yeah. Imagine how much it heat it costs to heat that 15 feet. The whole thing of jacuzzis is they're small, because obviously you've got to heat the water. It costs probably quite a bit. Oh, it's just fucking weird. So, we established it's a really not good movie. What is it that's drawn us back to it? It's got, some, it's got something. Is it the extent to how poorly made it is you it's one of those films where you've got to watch it like i actually can't say to you watch this enough because it's got something about it that it's probably like doing crack for the first time you just get hooked and it's just something about it like one thing that i was like to seb like what the fuck is when they first moved into the house and they were like, oh, it's such a good deal, £325 a month with all the utilities included, which is pretty good. But then two of the girls have to share a yeah. room. And then I was like to Seb, I was like, are they lesbian and we didn't know it? Or are they actually for a whole year going to fucking share a, the same bed? We also find out that there's a guest house. Why didn't one of them just live in the guest house? It's really weird, isn't it? Yeah, I think... Do you reckon they found the location to film before they started filming and realised that they didn't have enough rooms for everyone to have their own room? But they did have enough rooms with the guest house. 
maybe they hadn't thought about the fact they would need a guest house in the story while they were writing it. It's just really weird. And the birthday party as well. The woman's birthday party is like the most depressing birthday party I've ever seen. I guess. And how do they go when people start getting murdered? How do they go from literally so drunk that they can't walk to like solving a mystery? Yeah. Like, fucking hell, not Scooby-Doo in like 3.9 seconds. It's also suggested that the Christian boy would have holy water just in his room. Yeah. I don't think that's how holy water works. And it was weird because the Christian boy was like this devout Christian, but then he was like up for like being a really wild child at the party, like yeah. getting pissed. The only explanation I can think of for the sharing a room thing, which I think is the weirdest thing about it, the most unexplained thing, is they needed there to be a way for her to know that her roommate was sleepwalking. And I guess the best way they could think of that was to write it so they're sharing a bedroom. But she wasn't sleepwalking. I thought she was. No, it was the it was the brother's girlfriend that was sleepwalking. Oh yeah. So there was literally no reason yeah, for her no, to share a room, and it was really gone. weird. Could it be made better if it was handed mm. off to someone else, or is it just flawed from the start? I think it's flawed from the start, and I think trying to make it into a better film it would take away what what is quite addictive about it. Yeah, I think what's good about some So Bad It's Good movies is they're not made to be bad. Like, I presume that whoever was making this movie thought they were making an okay movie. Yeah. And to be fair, it's like an okay movie. Like, I could watch it with friends and... It's like a Sharknado type movie. It's so bad that, like, it's got that thing where you actually want to watch it. Yeah. So what do you give American Poltergeist out of ten? Okay, in terms of the fun factor, I give it a seven. Yeah. In terms of it being a good movie, I give it, like, a two. So that averages out to, like, a strong four? Yeah, like a 4.5. I'd say in terms of entertainment value and fun, it's a really good time. Yeah, it is. It's just an odd spectacle to stand back and enjoy from a distance. So I'd say that warrants it a strong seven for that. But in terms of filmmaking ability... So it's about a strong one. Okay, so you also be like a four. Yeah, I'd say I'm also going to go for a four for that one. Okay, our next film is going to be Clown. So the third movie we're going to be talking about is Clown, which... When people ask for a Netflix recommendation, this is my go-to. I think not even just horror movies. I think out of all the movies on Netflix, this is one of the best. I would go as far to say the best horror movie of all time. Do you think? I would say... More so than, like, Get Out? Yeah, I would say... Because the thing with Get Out is it's got Jordan Peele behind it. Yeah. Where's this? I don't know any background behind it. It didn't have any... Eli Roth directed it. Yeah, but I wouldn't know what he... He's a big name horror director. What else has he done? Did he do Orphan, actually? Um, I'm pretty sure he did Orphan, didn't he? Yeah, have a look. Um, Eli Roth did the Hostel movies. Hi, Seb here with my editor's note. So, Eli Roth does have several big name projects under his belt as director in Cabin Fever, Hostel Parts 1 and 2, and The Green Inferno. He's also acted in a range of movies from his own all the way to Inglorious Bastards, and worked as a producer on a lot of movies as well. 
This was, however, director John Watts' debut film, though he's since gone on to direct the 2017 and 2019 Spider-Man movies. Which, the Hostel movies are good, but they're not the same level. Like, with Jordan Peele, like, there was so much hype behind it. Yeah. And deserved hype. Deserved hype, but I heard nothing about the film. Yeah, that's true. We just sort of unearthed it on Netflix one day. And, no joke, I think it's... There's one scene where they rip his nose off. Yeah. And, like, the bone's exposed... And no joke, I can't even watch it. I can watch most things, yeah. but that, every time, and the noise, I had to put my fingers in my ears because I can hear the noise of when they rip it off. That is just... It's gore at its best, that bit. Yeah. Um, do you want to give a brief synopsis of what Clown is? Okay, so this family man, they've hired a clown for their son's birthday, but he drops out. And this guy, he, like, shows houses and sells houses. He's an estate agent, pretty much. Yeah. And he's in this house, and for some reason there's loads of costumes there. And he can't find a clown costume, and then he finds a he finds a trunk, and it's open. And he goes in, and there's a clown costume. And it's, like, a really weird clown costume. And watching it back, me, I said to Seb, like, why didn't he just go down to the store and buy a clown costume? Yeah. Like, the cos- the costume itself, it's, like, not very clown-like. It's very, like, early 19th century. It's, like, very plain in colour, like, there's not much colour to it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's a bit weird, I don't know why you'd want to wear that anyway, it's probably dusty as hell. Yeah. But he puts it on, does the the party... And then the next day he wakes up, he's still in the costume and he just can't get the costume off. Like, he tries with, like, hand saws and stuff to get it off, ends up, like, cutting himself and he just can't get this costume off. And then he finds someone who can get the costume off. Well, can kind of get the costume off. Or alleges to be able to. Yeah, and it's, like, kind of a scam... And, like, the costume is the skin and hair of a demon. Like, it's pretty... It's, and he, like, starts to transform into this demon. He needs to eat children to... Yeah, he needs to eat five children, I think it is, to be able to turn back to his normal self and get rid of the curse. But it's really savage. I think... So, I agree with you. I, I would go as far as to say it's one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. I think the problem with movies that are really good is that... You don't get as much out of them when you view them multiple times. I think the best experience we had with the movie was the first time where we didn't know what was going to happen. And even when you know what's going to happen, it is good, but not quite as good as this sort of absurdity of he's turning into a clown demon slowly and you don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know. I watched it and I was still invested in it. I was still invested and it was still very good. Yeah, I, I think the, spe- the the special source just isn't there. I think that's the curse of any movie where you don't know what's going to happen and it's built on suspense. It's the same with Get Out. When we've watched Get Out again, it's never as good yeah. as when we first went to see it in the cinema. Um, so what makes Clown so good? I think it's really weird. It feels like an intelligent film. Yeah. Even though most films to do with clowns just aren't very intelligent. Like Even like... It's not really a clown, but Krampus. Yeah. The Christmas Devil. 
Like, that is the one of the worst films ever. That's one of the movies we own on DVD that we paid money for that we can't sit through all the way because it's so badly made. We sit for about ten minutes and then I'm like, said, turn it off. It looks like someone made it with less than no budget. Yeah, it looks like they owe the bank money to yeah. make it. <laughs> like, it's that bad. Looks like someone gave them a tenner and said, go Pay on. me back. Yeah. <laughs> make it worth my while. Someone gave them a tenner and said, I don't want it back. <laughs> Do what you want. I think the problem with Clown is it's so kind of not well known that, like, you can talk about it and say, oh, that's so good. But, you know, sometimes you want to have that experience with other people where you're like oh this film's so good and then they're like oh yeah yeah where's with clown like with get out you could probably talk to a normal person be like oh this is so good and people most of the people would be like oh yeah whereas with clown it's not a shared experience the same way like yeah i don't know anyone who's seen it i think i've recommended it to people maybe they've seen it because of that and that makes it a hidden gem, though. I think it's exciting to be able to show someone something so good. It's really, it's really good. Like in terms of not even just a horror movie, because I feel like horror movies they're on a different level compared to everything else. Yeah, you can get away with not being that good of a movie and still be a fun horror movie. Because like even like Saw, like Saw's aren't that great of a movie, but because they're yeah a horror movie, they're like up in the top ranks. Yeah. But this one, like even without the hor- horror element. It's just a really good film. I think part of what makes it so good is that everything it attempts and every aspect of it is executed so flawlessly. I think the tension is great. I think the absurdity of it, like, it's aware that it's absurd. It's a clown demon. But even the creature at the end, when he's, like, full turned into a clown, it's pretty scary. Yeah, in terms of, like, scariness, it's there. But in terms of, like, self-awareness, like, when he's in the bathtub and he tries to blow his brains out and it splatters on the wall in like rainbow colours. Yeah. It's like such a dark humour moment but it's so well executed. I think the performances are great. The main guy is so good. There's no performance in there that I would floor. I think the direction's really good. I think everything about it is just so well executed but I can't think of any way they could make it better. It's so unsettling as well when... He's, like, transforming, and his, like, fingers are growing longer, and his feet are growing longer, and his nails are, like, going really fucking weird, like, kind of, like, the the nails are kind of getting ripped up, and they're, like, completely 90-degree angle. Yeah. Like, really fucking creepy. And, like you said, the scene where they're trying to pull the clown nose off him. Oh, my God, that one gets me every time. Even thinking about it actually turns my stomach. That's gore as good as you're going to see in any other movie. Probably better gore, because it's so... The gore is so far and few between, like... Yeah. It isn't that gory. So you you can't really acclimatise yourself to it. No, every time you see it, it's it's shocking. Um, So although I said that it's not quite as good as watching it for the first time, there, there are things I noticed on this time around that I hadn't noticed before. Like, at the very beginning, the wife says, why didn't you just take them to Chuck E. Cheese? And he says, oh, that place is a hellhole, which ends up being the final scene in the movie. He goes to Chuck E. Cheese as a monster looking for these children to eat, and it's bloodshed. Yeah. Which makes me think there must be more secrets in the movie that I hadn't noticed. It's It's a... As I'd say, it's a very intellectual movie. It's dense as well. Yeah, like, 
although maybe necessarily don't feel like the payoff's going to be there, it definitely is there. Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things for horror movies, is to nail the ending. So many good horror movies don't have a great ending. Like Paranormal Activity, the first one, probably one of the most influential films of our but generation. But which one? Because there was two different ones. Yeah, there I guess. There was one where where they kill both of them. But I think the common ending... And there was one where she was crawling on her back. The common there. ending is uh, Katie throwing the guy into the camera. I think that's the ending most people have seen. And even then, it's fine, but it's kind of just the movie saying, that's it now, bop. And, and there's going to be another one. Yeah. Whereas this, it's so good because it's so standalone, like, there doesn't need to be anything else. It gives you the right amount of closure. Yeah. And it, like, by giving you closure, it doesn't lead you wanting more. Um, so I think we've gushed about it enough. Um, what would you give it out of ten? Because it's hard to rate something that's so good. Is it worth a ten? I'd say it's nine. Yeah? Yeah, I'd say the only negative to it is I feel like maybe the guy who he goes to see, who drugs him, his character isn't as good as the other ones. Yeah, not quite as well developed. But it's not, like, major that it even you even really notice it. It's only watching it for, like, a few times over that I think, eh, his character's not as thorough as the other ones. Do you think he could have been made better, that character? But n- no, because I feel like otherwise they'd be putting too much emphasis on him. Whereas I feel like the main emphasis was on the main guy, which was where it needed to be. So I'm going to go straight ahead and say I agree with you. I think it's a strong nine. Yeah. I think both for entertainment value and for being Yeah, a good I don't movie. think even needs an average. I think the average is a stronger nine. Um, do you think this is the best horror movie you'll ever see? I don't know if it's the best horror movie I'll ever see. I reckon Jordan Peele is the one to watch. Yeah. I reckon maybe this Candyman reboot will be really good. But that's mainly because of Lucky Stanfy, I'm yeah. not going to lie. But I feel like the one problem with John Peel is they're up to such a high standard now that, that I just expect that. Yeah. So it's not as, like, Whereas you don't amazing. Whereas nec- you don't necessarily expect something that good from the director of the Hostel films. Yeah, which weren't... They were all right. But, like, there's films that he's done where they're not great. But yeah. this was just out of character. It's so good. Um... Do you think it's possible that a mo- another horror movie as good as this exists currently? Maybe. That just hasn't been it on feels Earth? weird that we just... Dis- Even, like, movies like... Do you remember when we watched Dogtooth or something it was called? What, the one that was in a foreign language? Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't a horror movie. I don't know what it was. It was kind of like a thriller, but kind that was pretty... Kind of a thriller drama? But that was pretty that good. That was good. Also, uh, you give your rating first. Oh, I gave it a strong nine. Okay. Also, I'd like to point out that a horror movie that is actually... I'm pretty sure it's really good, but it's one of those horror movies where it's actually so hot, I can't watch it, it scares me too much, is on Netflix. It's like an Indian horror movie called... What, Sabrina? Called Sabrina. And I think they made a second one called The Doll too. And no joke, that doll literally haunts me. It's the doll itself, though. With the stupid long arms. Yeah, but it's so... It's such a scary doll. It's not, though. Okay, well, it's really scary, and I would give it... I'd say, if you like horror movies, and can sit through that, 
That's probably a pretty good film. I fell asleep watching that. You kept knocking me away. Oh my said, wake God. up. I literally, we couldn't even finish it because I was actually so scared. And I can't, when it when I look on you uh, on Netflix, if that picture comes up, I have to literally close Netflix because it scares me so much. So it is exciting to find a hidden gem, the way that we found Clown. It just makes you wonder what else could be out there. Seb here again. So before we move on, I just wanted to um, mention that on Metacritic, the Metascore is 42 out of 100, user score 4.7, which really surprised me. I guess people didn't feel the same way we did about it. Um, I guess things are subjective, but I'm really surprised that we liked it so much more than seemingly anyone else. Almost the same way we feel about the Gansfield experiment coming next. A a hidden... What's the opposite of a gem? A hidden rock. A hidden... Unpolished rock. A hidden shit on your pillow. (laughs) We've been asked to document an experiment for psych class, and the one our group has chosen is the Gansfeld experiment. A German term meaning the entire perceptual field. A well-known parapsychologist. So I'm almost 100% certain that no one we know or ever will meet will have seen the Gansfeld experiment. So do you want to give us a quick rundown of what it is? Okay, so it's based on the experiment where I'm pretty sure if you've got no stimulus telepathically you can share ideas over wavelengths or something. It didn't really explain it very well though. No, it's like a German experiment. And so these kids, they've got, was it psychology... They're like psychology minors or... Psychology majors, and it's their like final end of year project or yeah. something. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure most of them are minors. Most of them are doing like engineering and oh, other yeah. stuff. But it's their project, and they go to this house that one of them, their parents have had it in their family for like forever. And it's just hard to explain because it's the most stupid plot to a film ever. So it kind of starts off... All right. Yeah, even... The first, so one of the biggest things that happens in the movie is there's a seemingly endless pile of cocaine. Like they have a little baggie of coke and one of them is constantly emptying it, like emptying the whole lot out and they're just snorting it. And for the space of like, what is it, an hour and a half movie, the whole movie they're doing like multiple lines of coke a minute. There's a weird special effect as well where when they lift up the rolled dollar bill, there's, you can see like a stream of white it's, looping <laughs> up into it. It's like almost like Tinkerbell when she has her magic wand and she's waving it about and it's got like the kind of the like trail. trail of stars, yeah. Like, no joke, for a minute after they snorted the coke, it's still coming out and it's like snorting it from the massive pile. And it's like the, like, the rest of it, I think, without the coke would be okay. I think the first scene when the coat comes in, you think, oh, it's a bit odd. But it doesn't derail the movie completely. And they do the first Gansfeld test, and it's not awful. Like, the sequence is quite well done. And then, inexplicably, they go downstairs and start doing more coke, and more and more. And, like, and enough, enough. They do enough in probably the first quarter of an hour to kill about three people. They're mixing that with... A whole bottle of liquor each, it seems. Marijuana. And 
at this point, the film just gets completely derailed. It's like a PSA on why not to do cocaine, because they all end up dead. Or even a PSA on why not to centre your film on cocaine, because at that point in the movie... It's so bad. It loses all coherence. And, like, they're starting to bleed from their noses because they're, they're doing so much coke. And, like, it's really weird. Like, they're in this house. Then the main girl finds out her sister died or that she had a sister. She didn't even realise to this point she had a sister. And then they realise that it was the dad of one of the boys that killed her sister. And then they find out it wasn't the dad, it was the kid. The boy, so there's the boy who killed her sister and she's there with him. But you have to be paying very close attention to get any of that. It's like, it's like train spotting. Like, it's a movie about drugs. There's a full-on dubstep sequence of sex and drugs. Yeah, there's like a weird, probably ten minutes of the movie where the two girls are kind of getting it on with each other. And then... For some reason... They start getting on with one of the guys as well. Yeah, and then for some reason, a girl and a guy are in a room upstairs. And the girl is off her face. Like, no joke, I don't even know how she's alive at this point. Yeah. And he just goes down on her. Whilst you're listening to dubstep, and it cuts between that and... (laughs) The other girl downstairs doing more and more cocaine. Yeah, and then her nose is bleeding and like... It's like, what the hell is going on? And how much coke? And you can tell it's clearly sugar. It's like not... Grainy. Yeah, it's grainy. It's not even like if they were to use like icing sugar. Which I don't know if that would be more similar to the texture of coke. I would assume. But like, it's so grainy that like, I'm just like, what is going on here? Um, and at that point, it's hard to follow anything that happens in the movie. They do another Gansfeld test, I think. They get more visions. Um, there's also, out of nowhere, a voiceover that comes in that seems like it's speaking directly to the audience. Yeah. They think they can trick you away with sex and drugs, but just wait until my curse comes along, and I think it rhymes as well. Yeah, it's like really, it's like a weird poem, and it's a sister saying this, and for some reason the sister who died at like age four has come back as like a 20-year-old. But this voiceover it comes in about 30 minutes in reappears twice it's odd and did you find the the song choice when um the first girl is stripping to be really out of place with anything else in the movie what was it they never told me about oh my god yeah it's really weird the way she lied the and whole it's too late film to say i'm sorry the whole film is just so fucking weird like, I cannot get the, the image of the guy going down on the girl where she's, like, literally passed out, out of my mind, thinking, this is really not a good thing to be showing. And he's, he's sort of portrayed as the good guy. The good guy. It's weird. And he's fit as well. It's really weird. Like, I would get in that situation, they'd have sex, maybe. Yeah. But going down on her yeah. seems really weird. It is very weird. After she's been, like, crying as well. So what do you think went wrong when they were making this movie? Honestly, it'd be easier to to tell you what went right. (laughs) Like, when we were watching it and I said to you, they must have done this movie all on one take because there's no way these are the best scenes that they've decided to do. 
and you said, yeah, I can't imagine them doing like more than one shot of this and thinking, yeah, that's that's this is okay. the one out of all the six scenes we filmed. This is the best version of that scene. Um, do you think this was their vision from the beginning? I reckon it was a student movie. It wasn't, though. I looked up the director. He's worked on movies with, like, Steven Seagal. What the fuck? Like, a legitimate A-list actor. I honestly can't even tell you. It seems like it's like a love letter to Coke. The whole thing. It's really weird. And there's so much madness going on with this cocaine that at no point does it take any time to actually, like, build any suspense and be scary. And the whole time you're like thinking, is something supernatural happening or are they just freaking out from the coke? Yeah. And not in like a, oh, what's reality kind of way. In a way that it's like, did she actually have a sister? Because nowhere ever has it mentioned that she's actually had a sister. Also, they mentioned that this family is owned by her parents, the house is owned by her parents. Yeah. One of the the guy says, um, "Why would you own this big house and not even do anything? Just let it let it fall apart." They never answer that question in the movie. It's a legitimate question. Why do they own a house and they're just not doing anything with it? Maybe because they can't sell it because of the fact that someone got murdered there. I guess, but surely. And the ga- and at the end, you find out that the gas was like faulty or something, and they all die. And then the police officers come in. And rather than, like, look for any motive, they just start snorting the coat yeah. that they've left. And they see a blood-stained knife and go, oh. Yeah, they're like, oh, take this baggie with me. Oh, couple murders here, come on, let's sort this out. It's like, do you not realise when you're putting your nose and snorting the cocaine that they're going to have to get fingerprints and they're going to find that... Why the hell were the detectives also snorting the cocaine? And then they'd be like, oh, maybe it's linked. Do you know what I mean? It's doesn't. It's like, yeah. what the hell? Do you think there's any world where this movie could have been made and it would have been good? No. Do you not think if it had been handled differently and no. without the cocaine? Well, maybe without the cocaine. It's not a great premise. premise. Yeah. Like, it's so convoluted what the dad did it and then the son actually did it with the dad kind of telling him to do it. It's like, what? Like, what is going on? Yeah. Why is the dad telling the son to kill one of the girls? Why has the dad gone to jail for a sex crime or something when it was his son? Like, I'm so fucking confused. It was... And how does the son not remember it? I'd say this movie goes beyond so good it's bad. Being just bad, I'd say like not even enjoyable. Like actually hard to watch. None of the characters are likable. It's an ugly movie. It's got this horrible green tint over everything. Yeah, like everything's like really weirdly grey, almost greyish. Like it's got no warmth to it. But then it doesn't have the charm of being badly filmed either. Like clearly, whoever was behind the camera is competent. Yeah, whereas I'd say the thing with American Poltergeist. It's got a lot of shaky cam. And that kind of adds to the fun. Yeah, whereas this has no shaky camera. They're trying to make it, like, thing. And it's weird, like, the sister, who's meant to be the same age as the girl, why is she wearing, like, clothes from, like, the Victorian period? Like, she does not look like someone who was born in, like, the 2000s. Do you know what I mean? Like, weirdly, really old-looking. Also, why does a guy have a flip phone in 2011? 
And also, this is my main question. How the hell did her sister who died as a kid grow up as a ghost? Like that, surely that just worked. Surely when you get killed, that's what time period you stay in. Um, that doesn't make any sense. It's a hard movie to buy into. There's no logistics in it. It feels like someone's first horror movie that they've made. You could describe American Poltergeist as being like watching a car crash, but like it's a dramatic one and everyone gets out and wipes their brow and goes, whew, blimey, what happened there? Glad we're all alive. I think Gansfeld experiment is like seeing two cars slowly drive into each other and then the driver's head smashes through the windscreen in an undramatic way but enough that you can see that he's clearly in agony. Or like watching a train get slowly derailed and knowing that everyone's going to die. But it's not even exciting to watch. No, it's like happening so slow-mo. And you're kind of like... It's like... It's almost like when you watch a film and you've got no... There's no interest towards the characters. The characters are fundamentally bad. And you're watching the film and you go... Actually, don't care if they die. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's always bad when you think, oh, this feels so bad that the main character, I just want them to die. So To make it interesting. We said that Clown was, if not the best movie we've ever seen, definitely the best horror movie. Is Gansfeld Experiment the worst movie we've ever seen? I'd say Gansfeld Experiment is the worst movie that we've actually been able to sit through. Because yeah. there's been ones like Krampus where it's actually so bad that we can't sit for it. At least it's had enough the professionalism co- the co- in the camera making. It's like the coke element is the most interesting and that's what you say to watch. Because you're like this tiny baggie, like must be 40 quid's worth of coke, lasts four people f- over the stretch of three days. And I'm not being funny, they're not doing like a line a day. Yeah, they're, they're not doing like. With it four lines every two or three minutes. Like, enough that would make, like, probably a whole class of people dead. Yeah. Would you ever recommend this movie to someone? I think I'd recommend it as one of those films where it's so bad that, like... But, like, they're not even necessarily going to have a good time watching it. but I imagine, like, at a party, it's like you could put on the background. Just as an example of how bad movie making can get. Yeah. I feel like you need to watch it to be able to understand how bad it is. If you watch that, anything else by comparison is enjoyable. Yeah, it's like like when you have food and it's like so bad, but then it makes you appreciate every other bit of food that you ever eat. It's like being punched in the jaw. Like prison food or something. It's like being punched in the jaw and then offered a bacon sandwich. It would suit her, wouldn't it? It's like being punched in the jaw and then given a, a loose hug. Yeah, it's painful. So, what would you give it out of ten? I would, as a fun movie, I'd give it a two. As a good movie, I don't even think it's on the scale. I'd put it at 0.5. So what's that averaging, about a one? About a one, yeah. I think I can agree with that. It's like, kind of fun. Be like, this is so ridiculous. But as a film, it's just so bad. Yeah. Like, none of the characters are nice. I don't care if they die. Do you know what I mean? Also, have you ever seen a more generic DVD cover than the cover for the Gansfeld? Yeah, it's not even got anything to do... I'm pretty sure it's not even the house. And I've seen an alternate cover 
where it's a red cover with the white goggles on, which looks a lot nicer. Also, yeah, this cover just looks like someone's taken a picture of, like, abandoned mental asylum. And throwing a filter over it. Yeah. Also, it goes sometimes by the Gansfeld possession and sometimes the Gansfeld experiment. No, the, interchangeably. Gans- the G- Gansfeld experiment is just the experiment. Now I've seen film posters for it being called Weird, Gansfeld. What the fuck? What is a horror movie? A horror movie? Yeah, what makes something a horror movie? I don't know. I guess it's got to have elements of gore or, like, paranormal stuff. It's got to be scary, but it's also not got to be... To make a good horror movie, I feel like jump scares probably not the best thing to have. Or if you are doing jump scares, you've got to do them really well. It's weird, because when you're watching a horror movie, you know that it's a horror movie... But when you have to actually define what it is, it's kind of amorphous. Yeah, like, for instance, the movie Creep. Yeah, is that a horror movie? I'd say it's a horror movie, but at no point is it a horror movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, like, it nothing horror happens. Yeah, it doesn't stick to kind of a horror movie thing. But that, again, is one of those ones that I'd say is a really good horror movie. Yeah. Um, so what do you think a movie needs to do to be a good horror movie? I think it's got to kind of stand out amongst the rest. Yeah? Either that or it's got to be the first one of its kind of kind. What's a good way to stand out, do you think? I think to do something like like a movie like Hush or Creep, where it's normally pretty good when it stays in one place. Yeah. Where it's just kind of one location. But also... When it doesn't just follow the characteristics of every other horror movie, when it's different from the rest, but in a good way. Whereas, like, Gansfield, it's different, but, like, in probably the worst way possible. Yeah, so I guess that brings me on to what makes for a bad horror movie. I think when you bring drugs and put them as the main point, they're never normally that great. Yeah. If it feels like a student film, you know, that's a bad sign. Student films are never good. Even the good student films that I've seen are shit. Yeah. You know, you've got to have likeable characters, believable or characters. Or at least characters that you care about. Yeah, ca- characters where you think, oh, I don't want this person to die. And if you don't have that, then the, film's the premise is kind of flawed the... if you don't care about people dying. Yeah. There are two things I'm thinking. I think, for one thing, how well you can buy into it really matters. I think Clown is so well executed that you completely buy into the premise and you don't question how ridiculous it is. Whereas a film like American Poltergeist, it's shoddily made to the point where you feel like you're watching a bad movie rather than like investing in what's actually happening. Yeah, like you don't care at any point, think, I wish this character doesn't die. You're like, yeah, they could die and it wouldn't add anything or take anything away. And I think if it isn't able to be immersive then it's too easy to see the problems with it and not feel like everything makes sense. And I think the second thing for a good horror movie is it has to have the things you'd look for in a good movie. I think although horror is kind of unique in a way that a bad horror movie can still be scary in a good time, I think for something to be truly great, it has to do the things that a, a great movie would do. And in the way that, like, you know get out it's not just it's kind of a political view on stuff it has it makes a statement it's scary it's well acted it's well written it's well directed 
Well acted by my boy, Lucky Stanfield, by the way, guys. Clown. It's well acted, well written, well directed, as well as being scary. And, like, I don't know who any of the characters are in it. Like, they're probably characters that I've never heard of before. You normally think, oh, it's a movie where you don't know any of the characters. It's going to be shit, like Gansfield. Yeah. But it's actually all the actors are, like, as good actors as A-list celebrities. Yeah. And I think, like you said... A horror movie can be really good without having to have that great things if it's unique. Like The Blair Witch Project, which maybe it wasn't the first found footage, but it was the first on that scale. The one people cared about. And, like, yeah, obviously the cinematography isn't good because it's not made to, but it feels like you're watching something real and that's what makes it so good. Didn't they also pretend that all the people who were involved in it died Maybe. when they were like putting it out to the public like that like they just kind of dropped the people who were the main people off the map so it kind of seemed like it was real real life yeah, i know that it had a tiny budget i think a thousand Dollars, maybe ten thousand. But you know straight away when something's gonna be a good horror movie. Yeah. Like they, like in Clown, if it got, like within the first ten minutes, I knew it's gonna be good. If it had kind of dropped and it was completely bad, it would be out of character for a movie like that. Yeah. Whereas like Gansfield, like even the beginning, which was okay, was like okay on the realm of bad. Okay good really good yeah like still bottom half of the map um and i guess lastly what makes a horror movie so bad that it then turns around and becomes good again it's gotta be so ridiculous yeah like the i think the funniest thing about american poltergeist is the fact that the timeline's so bad like how the films that aren't even prequels come out before and like they're number seven in the trilogy, but they're not even, like, before this happened. Yeah. What horror film recommendations have you got for people? I would say, if you haven't seen Clown, watch Clown. Yeah. Hush is also really good. Which one's Hush? The one where she's deaf. And oh, that was an, okay. There's an intruder. Hush is good. Yeah. I'd say better than Hush, though. Creep. Creep 1 Cre- and 2. Yeah, they are definitely. so good. Like, they're some of gems. the best. Um, obviously Get Out we've talked about quite a bit but it's definitely worth watching so is Us I'd say Us in terms of being a more traditional horror film yeah Get Out just in terms of being a very good movie Hereditary I'm sure Hereditary was pretty horror good fans are aware of that one already it was so talked about but Hereditary was very I've good I've heard good things about Midsummer. oh yeah by but we haven't director. seen that but we really wanted to see that um, not necessarily in terms of being a horror movie, but the first It we really enjoyed. It was so good. Um, don't bother with the sec- chapter two, though. The second one's okay. I wouldn't bother. It's a good time. Yeah. If you're into that kind of thing, it's a good time. But the first one has got something special about it. The thing in chapter two, all the adults play the parts really well. Yeah. But it's just flawed in its story writing, I think. Another one that we considered as one of our good ones for this one is the film Sliver. Sliver's really good. The remake of The Omen is one that I find myself going back to a lot. I inexplicably really enjoy it. Um, Orphan. 
Orphan Scared. You know, there are good horror movies out there. I liked Case 39. I don't remember that the one. The one where she adopts that girl who's been through, like, hell and her parents think she's a demon and then she ends up being, like, Lillian the demon. Do you remember? Mm, rings a bell. We've seen it together. She, like, burns down the yeah. house or something. It's good. Um, and then a couple of So Bad It's Good recommendations. Uh, say, like, Mega Shark... Giant shark um, versus mega octo- octopus or whatever. Terracuda versus octo shark. Yeah, like those ones are. They're normally pretty good. Yeah, you like, know what you're getting into. Yeah, I'd say American Pole Guides one and two. Like, they are so bad, but like it's pretty good. It, they're easy watching. Yeah, I think the trick is really to go onto Netflix specifically, go to the horror movie, and then scroll down until you stop recognizing things. At that point, it's hit or miss. Sometimes they'll be unwatchable. Sometimes they're they pretty... won't be bad enough to be fun. But yeah. every now and then, I find, you hit on something really I find good. Netflix is the place to look at yeah. something like that. Netflix and CEX in the 50p section. But anyway, some of the stuff we recommend this week. For me, it has to be Rex Orange County's new album, Pony. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. We're doing a section, weren't we? <laughs> So, Rex Orange County's one was released on the same day as the new Kanye West one. And you know how much I love Kanye West. But I have to say, my boy Rex has got it. He's made the better album. It is incredible. It is definitely going to be one of my favourite albums of all time. It's got something very humble about it. It feels very real. Yeah. Which I think Rex Orange County always does. I agree. I enjoy the album. I think he's really good. He's a cool guy. And I sometimes, like, it was with, like, with Chance, where he's such a nice guy that you wish them the success. Yeah. So someone recognises, like, because there's a lot of people in the media, Cardi B especially, who's in the media, but she's not a good person. Yeah. Like, I'm not being funny, although we've both seen that hip-hop show. You can't take away what she did in the past as being a bad thing. Speaking of that, though, that's one of my recommendations, is Rhythm and Flow on Netflix. A TV show about finding, like, the new hip-hop star. It's like... Kind of X-Factor, but for rap music. It's actually really good. It was a good time, and I'm glad that the person who won, won without giving anything away. Um, I also want to recommend the new Kanye album, if you haven't listened to it. Molly's not that into it. It's not that I'm not that into it, it's that it's it's hard because the things I love about Kanye, I don't find in this album as such. I like the kind of cool samples, I like him cussing and swearing, I like him talking about his experiences, whereas I feel like maybe we're missing something because we're not overly religious, we're not religious at all. Maybe, but I've listened to it about five or six times already. And if you look, if you don't look at it as an album about Christianity, and you look at it more as an album from a man that has something he wants to say, I think it's worth listening to. It's been polarizing. A lot of people seem to not like it, but I enjoy it a lot. It's not that I don't like it. It's a Kanye album, so obviously I'm gonna like it. But I feel like it's a shame that Rex Orange County. He's been building up for this release for like a couple yeah, years, it will be and it was that overshadowed completely by Kanye's one. Yeah. Whereas I feel like out of the two, although Kanye is on another level, I'd say the better, more enjoyable album is definitely the Rex Orange County one. 
And you can say that, but it definitely is more enjoyable. Any other recommendations? Kind of related to this ep- episode, watch Sabrina and tell me what you think. Because Seb always takes the piss out of me for finding it so scary. But it's got the kind of same thing as Annabelle. But, like, the doll is so much scarier than Annabelle. It's fucking really horrible. It's got, like, really long black hair, really human features, and then it's got fucking humongous eyes. Just watch it, because I don't know if it's just me who finds it, like, the scariest thing I've ever seen. Um, And then my final recommendation is going to be an album from, I think, came out in the early 70s. Um... It's the second album by a band called The Meat Puppets. They came they they were before the Pixies, kind of a similar sound to the Pixies. Um, similar sound to the Violent Femmes if you're a fan of those. Um, if you're a fan of rock music and you wanna hear something that came out a bit earlier, that's what I'm recommending this week. Okay. And off to the next week where we'll be hopefully playing some games. Oh yeah, we're gonna get back on track with that. Um, we just wanted to release like two episodes this week. We wanted, we wanted to hit a Halloween special for us. Like Halloween, we love horror films, and I feel like we've got that kind of taste in horror films that people don't necessarily know about. But also, we don't have diverging enough tastes that we could make a traditional episode about it. No, so we thought we'll just kind of have a few ones in there. Some ones that which are so bad that I feel like you need to watch for yourself they're so bad ones that are so good that like why is no one talking about them so that's us for this week um tune in next week for the zelda episode or maybe on sunday we're not going to get another one out by then yeah i haven't got time um (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't care about this podcast enough to um stop illustrating and edit the bad boys out um so Check out some of those horror movies if you're in the mood for some. Halloween tomorrow, so... Horror movies uh, for all year, not just for Christmas. Not just just for Halloween. Halloween. (laughs) I genuinely didn't even mean to say Christmas there. But, yeah. Catch you next week. He's not the greatest man the world has known. But everybody Everybody loves the clown. He leaves behind him a thousand lives. Everybody Everybody loves the clown. The opening theme song Bicycle Weather was performed by Pickle Darling, whose album Bigness is available now on Zed Tapes Records. Its closing song, titled The Clown, was performed by the band Nirvana on the 1968 psychedelic rock album The Existence of Chance is Everything and Nothing, while the greatest achievement is the living of life and so say all of us. You also heard extracts from the films Jigsaw, American Poltergeist, Clown, and The Gansfeld Possession. <laughs> <laughs>